The following message has been brought to you by Trinity Baptist Church. For more information, visit us on the web at trinitybc.org. As it is Mother's Day, I, I want to depart from our usual study walking through the, the Gospel of Matthew that we've been in for a number of months now. And I want to bring a message centered on Mother's Day itself. And as I've prayed through what to bring before us this morning... As you consider Mother's Day and Mother's Day sermons, there are a number, there's just a handful actually, of Mother's Day passages uh, that are so often preached upon on this morning. And as I look to all of those, God never just, never would give me peace at bringing the message that, that He would have for me deliver, to deliver this morning. And, and when God put this passage upon my heart, it, it resonated. Um, it resonated upon my heart because it's resonated upon my life in a great way. Um, that the passage we're going to look to this morning is not necessarily a Mother's Day scripture. Uh, it's actually a passage that speaks to life in general for all of us. Ooh, the message I'm preaching this morning could be preached on Father's Day just as easily as it's preached this, this morning. It could be preached on graduation Sunday last week because it applies to a teenager graduating high school just as much as it does a father or a grandfather, just as much so as it does a mother or, or any woman in the room this morning. And so though I will focus in the application of what we're dealing with towards mothers, uh, particularly mothers with children who are still at home, uh, I want you to see, and I hope you do see as we walk through this, it's really a message for all of us, a message for all of us as we live life in this broken world, as we live a life that often entails the brokenness of this world walking through things we'd rather not walk through? Um, how, how do we find joy in the midst of life? Or especially as a mother, how do you find joy in the midst of motherhood and all that motherhood entails? Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verses 18 through 20 this morning. Solomon man given great wisdom by God, a philosopher of all things, considering life and the vanity, meaningless, even fleeting nature in the sense of life lived without God. Solomon, examining life, writes these words under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Here is what I have seen. It is good and fitting for one to eat and drink and to enjoy the good of all his labor in which he toils under the sun all the days of his life which God gives him. For it is his heritage. As for every man to whom God has given riches and wealth and given him power to eat of it, to receive his heritage and rejoice in his labor, this is the gift of God. For he will not dwell unduly on the days of his life, because God keeps him busy with the joy of his heart. And though the masculine pronoun is used here, it's generic. It's applied to mankind in general, both man and woman. And as I mentioned this morning, wanting to apply it in particular to a mother. And even the toil of child-rearing. I am in the stage of having young children, my wife's sitting over there with my oldest son, husband, who's six, 
and then got a four-year-old and a three-year-old, almost seven, five and three, coming up in just a month or two, uh, know very well the trial and turmoil of raising young children and seeing my wife and all that she does, and, and my understanding, even served it for four years prior to seminary. I know it doesn't get much easier when they turn into teenagers, probably gets a little more difficult in a number of ways. Um, being a mother is a difficult, hard work. And being a mother can lead to all sorts of stresses and fears and anxieties in one's life and in one's heart. And what I wish to do this morning is bring, bring not only comfort and strength, but bring joy by coming to grasp what is written in these three short verses in Ecclesiastes. Uh, what we find here in these verses is really the ultimate message and theme of the book of Ecclesiastes. The gist of these verses is repeated five times, five times throughout the book of Ecclesiastes. And ultimately, what, what the exhortation given here is, is simply to embrace the life that God has given you and come to enjoy it for all that you can. To, to embrace the life that God has set before you. Not, not the life of another, not the life of, of what you would desire in your dreams and selfish ambitions, not the life of, of ease and comfort that you may wish upon yourself, but to, to embrace the life that a sovereign God who loves you beyond your wildest imagination, loves you so much He gave Jesus to redeem you, to, to embrace the life, the race that He set before you as coming from His sovereign, loving, gracious hand. And embracing it as such, come to find it an enjoyment in it, a pleasure in it, even in the midst of, of the harder seasons of it, to, to find a contentment and a joy in the midst of the life that God has given to you. It's not a message just for mothers in the room. It's really a message for myself as a pastor who, who can be self-ambitious and desiring things that other ministries might have and, and other blessings that may come in other places and other abilities that other ministers might have that, that in selfish ambition a, a preacher may covet. It's a message for every, every person in the room. No matter what stage of life you're in, no matter what you're doing currently and you live in, there's always a tendency that we place upon ourselves to not rest in the life God has given us and instead think it would be better if this or that, if we were here or there, if we had this or had that. And the whole call of Ecclesiastes is simply to, to come to a place in your life where you recognize the vanity of all of those desires, the emptiness of living for all those things, and, and come to simply embrace what God has given to you, what God has called you to. And realize there's a glory in it. Realize there's an eternal value and meaning in it. Realize there's a pleasure of God in it. And all of those things combined together as you come to understand that to give you a joy that none of those things that another person might be coveting in life can ever bring. So I want to give you just a few simple instructions, a few simple uh, wisdom statements uh, from this passage regarding finding a way to embrace the life God has given you and finding joy in it. First, notice the beginning of verse 18. Don't miss the simple things. Don't miss the simple things in life. 
Solomon says, after talking about the vanity of much in life, the vanity of intellect and wisdom even in and of itself, the vanity of money and the vanity of even power in life, he he gets to a place in verse 18 of chapter 5 where he says, here is what I have seen. It is good and fitting. That word in Hebrew for fitting means beautiful even. It's good and desirable. It's good and beautiful. It's beautiful. The life that he's coming to express here. Well, what is good and and beautiful? It's good and beautiful for one to eat and to drink and to enjoy the good of all his labor in which he toils under the sun all the days of his life which God gives him. To eat and to drink. Those are simple things in life. Now, Solomon is not presenting here the pagan slogan, the pagan motto, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. Uh, That's a totally different admonition. That that would be an exhortation to not really care, to flippantly enjoy the fleeting pleasures of this life because the end is coming and that's all there is is to just do what you want to do. And uh, That's the world of carnality, the word, the motto of the world around us, of the, the flesh. That leads to destruction. That leads to the consequences of sin. That leads to misery. That is not what Solomon is saying here. What Solomon is saying is that we ought to come to a place where we recognize in contentment and in gratitude the simple blessings that God has given to us that abound all over the place in our life. To eat and to drink. The pulpit commentary says of, of this verse, it means to use the common blessings which God bestows uh, with thankfulness and contentment and tying in to 1 Timothy 6.8 even, having food and clothing with those we shall be content. The, the coming to a place in your life where you you see the small things and you, you're appreciative of the small things in life. Where, where you're not running the rat race of the American dream, seeking so much that's out there and so much that you don't have, that you neglect and you forget and you overlook the, the things that you do have to enjoy the basic things in life that God has given and not get consumed with the chase of of getting more and and getting more and more and more. Solomon, if we had time, we'd look at a number of verses, but Solomon has warned about the futility of that. Just read one verse going back to verse 10 of this chapter, of chapter 5. It says, He who loves silver will not be satisfied with silver, nor he who loves abundance with increase. This is also vanity. That when a person's heart is set out after money and is set after the the fleeting things of this life, fame and and fortune and and health and, and, and all that would go with that, they're never satisfied, and they're constantly running and yet never finding. They're constantly searching and seeking and, and longing and desiring and never, ever reaching a place of contentment. You've heard the story, I would imagine, a number of times, and it's happened more than one occasion where somebody extraordinarily wealthy is asked that question, how much is enough? And the answer always is just a little bit more. Just a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. And it, it sends us down this unending race overlooking all the extraordinary blessings that are common that God has given to us in our lives. Joy is not found in desiring what you don't have. Joy is found in thanking God for what you do have. 
we'll say that again. Joy is not found in desiring what you don't have. So many people even who have so much don't have joy because they're longing for what they don't have and they're thinking if they only get that that they don't have, they'll finally get to that place of satisfaction, that place of contentment. Joy is not found in desiring what you don't have. Joy is found in giving thanks to God for what you do have. There's an old Russian story about a a peasant who was granted by the king that, that he would be able to take ownership of all the land that he could run around within a day from sunrise to sunset. And so the sun rose, he was up right early in the morning, and he took off running. And he ran and he ran and he ran all day and he he made this large, large circle. He got back and by the time he got back to his starting place, the sun was was just, just about to set. And he thought, you know, I can run the other direction and get a little bit more. And so he took off in the opposite direction to do uh, another circle to encompass more land that he might get. And he made it back just to the finish line as the sun was just uh, setting there below the, the horizon. And then he dropped over dead. And of course, it's a parable. It's a story with a great meaning. Oh, what a picture of the American life. Running, 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 running to encompass, to get more, 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 more. And then death. And never does one just stop. And stop and consider the simple blessings. And be thankful. Thankful to God for all of His goodness. Sometimes mothers in the midst of all the running and running and running and doing and doing and doing, it's good to just pause and reflect upon the simple things and say, thank you, God, for all your goodness. A good prayer to pray. Lord, thank you for this sink of dirty dishes. We have plenty of food to eat. Thank you for this pile of dirty, stinky laundry. We have plenty of nice clothes to wear. And I would like to thank you, Lord, for those unmade beds. They were so warm and comfortable last night. I know that many have no bed. Many thanks to you, Lord, for this bathroom, complete with all the splattered mirrors and soggy, grimy towels and dirty toilet. They are so convenient. Thank you, Lord, for this finger-smudged refrigerator that needs cleaning. It has served us faithfully for many years. It is full of cold drinks and enough leftovers for two or three meals. Thank you, Lord, for this oven that absolutely must be cleaned today. It has baked so many things over the years. The whole family is grateful for that tall grass that we all enjoy in the yard. My kids are healthy and able to run and play. Lord, the presence of all of these chores awaiting me says you have richly blessed my family. I shall do them cheerfully and I shall do them gratefully, even though I clutch my blanket and growl when the alarm rings. Thank you, Lord, that I can hear there are many who are deaf. Even though I keep my eyes closed against the morning light as long as possible, thank you, Lord, that I can see many are blind. Even though I huddle in my bed and put off rising, thank you, Lord, that I have strength to rise. There are many who are bedridden. Even though the first hour of my day is hectic when socks are lost and toast is burnt and tempers are short, my children are so loud, thank you, Lord, for my family. There are many who are lonely. Even though our breakfast table never looks like the pictures in magazine and the menu is at at times not balanced, there are many who are hungry. Even though the routine of my job is often monotonous, 
thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to work. There are many who have no job. Even though I grumble and bemoan my fate from day to day and wish my circumstances were not so modest, thank you, Lord, for life. See, gratitude with little is far better than envy with much. Gratitude with little is far, far greater, far better than envy. This insatiable desire for more, though you have much. Ecclesiastes chapter 6 and verse 9. Uh, if you were with us on our Wednesday night Bible study, I encouraged you to highlight and underline this verse. Better is the sight of the eyes than the wandering of the desire. Better is the sight of the eyes to simply see that which God has so lavishly blessed you with than the wanderings of desires, of the things you think you must have in order to find joy or find satisfaction in life. We all, mothers and preachers and fathers and young college students and all, we all must kill selfish ambition. We all need to learn to be content and grateful for all that God has given to us. Don't miss the simple things in life. Secondly, expect difficult times. Realize that life in a broken world is never going to be easy. No matter what life you're living in the midst of the broken world, everybody's life deals with brokenness because we're all broken people and we're all living in a sinful world with the consequences of sin. And though we may, in, in the degrees of brokenness, say, well, that would be better than this, all is, all is broken. All will endure difficulty. All will endure hard times in this life. I so enjoy the book of Ecclesiastes because it does not sugarcoat life. It is a brutal, honest assessment of the vanity of life, of the fleeting, broken, temporary nature of all that is. Solomon here, wording this, says it's good and it is fitting to eat and to drink and to enjoy the good of what? Of all his labor which he toils under the sun all the days of his life. What a description of our lives, right? Not a vacation, not lives of ease and comfort, but the way that the book of Ecclesiastes describes life is labor and toil under the sun. That, that all who live life in this earth under the sun, their lives are filled with, with labor and toil. It's the same word actually there. Some of your translations reflect that, the toil in which we toil under the sun. Toil meaning uh, an exertion. Of, of even distress and, 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 in a way, misery that accompanies the hard work in which we're called to do. That is the life of, of any person on planet Earth. That is definitely the life of a mother with children. There is much toil with children, is there not, in trying to care for them and provide for them and teach them and correct and instruct them in and, and all their ways. Don't expect it to be a life of ease. Job says a man who is born of woman is few of days, and those days are, are full in tr of trouble. And it's easy to look across the fence. And if you notice, the grass is always greener when you're standing at a distance. The, the grass, when you're at an angle, appears like a lush field of grass. But you know what happens when you get over it? You realize that's not quite as lush as it looked from the angle, that it is just as sparse, just as, as brown mixed in. We all look to others and other lives and other situations, and we think, goodness, that's greener. That, that would be so much easier. 
and it's bad of us to do. They're goodness and in, 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 in understanding. No, they've got issues just like you've got issues. That, that life and under the sun is filled with labor and filled with toil. And there's a goodness to getting to the place where you're not envious of other other lives being lived, and you realize this is the race to which God has called me. This is where God has put me. This is the the turmoil, the toil, the the labor that God has called me to. I'm going to embrace it, and I'm going to find joy within it. But a better job, a better spouse, a better children, bigger house, nicer car, all the things that we think would would remove the the toil of life, they they don't. They just provide a different toil. It might look a little different than what you're going through if you had the things that you're desiring, but I promise it's not the solve-all. The solve-all is going to come when Jesus comes and makes all things new. A new heaven and a new earth without the brokenness of this life. Expect difficulty. By the grace of God, understand that there's still a goodness to the labor of mankind. That there is good that can be found and enjoyed, even the fruit of your labor in the midst of the difficulty of life. Don't miss the simple things. Expect difficult times. Thirdly, remember every day that it'll all be gone before you know it. Thirdly, remember every day it will all be gone before you know it. On the King James and New King James, it reads in verse 18 where it says, The good of all his labor in which he toils under the sun all the days of his life which God gives him. Now in the Hebrew, it is implied there's a brevity in those days. That it's not dealing with an extended period of time, but a a brief period of time. And so the ESV, English Standard Version, translates that. The few days of his life that God has given him. The NLT translates it, and enjoy the work under the sun during the short life that God has given him. Uh, again, the Hebrew implies not an extended long period of life, but, but the brevity of life is being emphasized here, that the work that God gives, uh, that He's called us to in life, is brief. It's fleeting. It's passing. That's what the word vanity means that uh, Solomon uses so often in the book of Ecclesiastes. As much as you may think meaningless, and some translations even put that word meaningless in there, it's more than the word meaningless. It's really brief. Fleeting would be a more would, would even be a better English word. Fleeting, fleeting. All is fleeting. All, all is coming and going. And there's a cyclical fashion under the sun. Paul says, where what has been is what will be. Nothing new under the sun. Vanity, vanity, fleeting, fleeting, all is fleeting. Some of you that are a little older than me understand this well. Time passes quickly, doesn't it? And some who are younger than me, it seems as if time time is never going to pass quickly. It's a slow, slow march of time. Job, go back to him. Job says, man who is born of woman is few of days. James 4.14 says, life is a vapor that appears for a moment and then vanishes away. Psalm 90 and verse 12 says, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. For all of us, but especially mothers with children, hear me, cherish the time you've been given. It will pass quicker than you realize. Cherish the time you've been given. It'll pass quicker than you realize. I have the unique opportunity of walking with the number of people there in the last stage of life. In, in the, the last days that they live, 
often usually in their, their old, old age. And I, I can tell you it's never easy. No matter how strong of a believer you are, it's never easy. That, that's often something that's emphasized upon my heart. But also, in every situation, no matter how long they've lived, they all repeat this. It's amazing how quickly time passes. It's amazing how they, they, you can look back at that point and it's all just seemingly just blown, blown by. And even though there's great-great-grandchildren sometimes they're visiting, that, that life is a vapor. It's here and it's gone. As many of you have told me often, um, life is filled with long days but short years. Sometimes the days feel like they'll never end. Especially when you've got young children and you're at home with them all day long, as I am some days when I'm ready to go back to the church to get away. Uh, when you're there with young children all day long, it's a long, long day and it's never going to end. And yet, you look at the years, and my goodness, the years fly by. I look at my six year old boy right there, and it seems like it was just last week that I, I held my firstborn child there in the hospital. I, I can remember that very very vividly, and yet I look to him, and even my little three-year-old girl is no longer able to really be held like a little child anymore. It happens so, so quickly. We need to remember every day that it'll all be gone before we realize it. Ephesians 5.16, redeeming the time because the days are evil. The NIV translates that, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil, that time is passing quickly. I've got a Mother's Day assignment for everybody. Here you go. Mother's Day assignment. On your way home, open up your YouTube app, and I want you to listen to this great philosophical lecture on the passing of time. It's a 2008 country song by Darius Rucker. It won't be like this for long. Now if you're, especially if you're a parent with young children, listen to that song. It's just this country song about life, but it's about how quickly and the stress of a day within the life of having children, how quickly that passes on. And it won't be like this for long. There's a goodness in, in coming to that realization even every day and the, the, the frustration of all that life can entail, realizing and remembering this day is passing quickly. It's going to be over before you realize it. My kids that are 6 and, and 4 and 3, it's not going to be long. They're going to be 16 and 15 and or 13 and 12. And then they're going to be 20, whatever they'd be, if you add that much to it. And then uh, it's amazing how quickly life passes. And it's good. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. It's good to pause. And you give thanks to God for all that He's given to you, the simple things. You, you understand life is going to be filled with difficulty, and just because that person's difficulty looks different than your difficulty, it's not any better, it's not any worse. This is what God's called you to. Be content in it. And, and realize that, that in, the, in the giving gratitude of the simple things, the day that you're in, very quickly, the life even that you're living is going to be over before you realize it. It gives a Awake to every opportunity to take advantage of every opportunity the Lord has given to you. I've got more there, but for sake of time, let's move on to the fourth. Live every day as a gift from God. To realize that the life that God gives to you and the race that He's called you to run and all 
the blessing and all the difficulty of it. It all is a, a gracious gift that God has bestowed upon you. It's what God has brought you to. And that's what it means here when it says all the days of his life which God gives him. That, that your life has been planned. The days written before you were even born, it says in Psalm 139, as he was fashioning you together in your mother's womb, that the, the life to which God has called you is a gracious gift of God. It says, for it is his heritage, meaning it is, it is your portion. It is your allotment that God has given to you. And it's wrong for you, no matter what your allotment, to be saying, well, God, I want that person's allotment. I want to be doing this or be doing that. that that's what creates the envy and covetous and jealousy within our heart that leads us to never be satisfied and never find joy in the presence. But what God calls us to here, what Ecclesiastes is calling us to, is to find in the contentment of life an embracing of what God has presented before us, no matter what it is. Whatever you do, do all unto the Lord. Do it mightily with all your heart as unto the Lord and not unto men. Whether you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all for the glory of God. There's an eternal merit. There's a glory of God revealed even in the, the monotony of, of life that so many of us live as we live it for God's glory, as we live it in gratitude and in contentment with the Lord walking with us. There is eternal glory in that. If only you can come to understand and embrace this, not only as a mother with children, but for all of us, no matter what God has called you to, to realize that it's a gift from God. And hear me, verse 19, the gift of God is not only to embrace what God has given, but the ability to find pleasure within it. And that's what verse 19 is speaking about. And as for every man to whom God has given riches and wealth, now, you may be in here thinking, well, goodness, I'm not rich and wealthy. Yeah, you are. Compared to a worldwide um, scheme of things, compared to a, going back in the generation prior to, we are all will, uh, wealthy and, and healthy in this room. You know, we, we all have great possessions. It's one thing to have much, but he continues, and given him the power to eat of it. It's another thing to come to find the pleasure in the things that God has given and I love this passage because we, we, we abuse materialistic things in two ways. One is we turn them into idols, and we seek to find in them what we can only find in God. And that's the normal way we talk about idolatry, where we're seeking in stuff the pleasures of life that only come from rightly knowing God and following Him. But there's another, what I would call more of the, it's a wrong super-spiritualism that thinks that the only way to rightly serve God and worship God is to put off all materialistic things and embrace a life of poverty and, and like misery in this life. And that's not what the Bible calls us to. Now, the Bible reveals that God actually takes pleasure in our pleasure. That God is glorified when we are rightly viewing the things of this life that He's given to us, the materialistic things even of life that He's blessed us with, and we're not worshiping them and seeking from them what only God can provide. God is first and foremost, but we, we, we find the pleasure of God in the things He's given to us. We, we find the glory of God and the giving of thanks to Him as we enjoy the blessings of the life that, that He's called us to. There's a goodness in coming to an understanding of this, that when, not only when God gives wealth and, and, and riches, but also when He gives the power to eat of it, to, to uh, consume it in a right way, 
to receive his heritage, his allotment, and rejoice in his labor. This is the gift of God. To come to a place of enjoying the blessings that God has given you, not in sin and in covetous desiring different things or more things, but, but coming to a place of contentment and enjoyment in what God has put before you. That is the gift of God. For He will not dwell unduly on the days of His life. Why? Because God keeps Him busy with the joy of His heart. What that means is that that person, that even that mother who comes to this place, will come to that place where her life isn't weighed down with regret and with worry and with fear about tomorrow because she is living in the joy of the present. And it's not just for mothers, it's for all of us, that when you get to this place, what you find is that your, your life is not so consumed with the past, whether that's the shame and regret of the past or even a, a, a wrong celebration of the past that robs you of the, the present. And your life is not filled with being worried about the things of tomorrow, sufficient for today is the trouble at hand, Jesus says, that when you get to this place, that, that, that your life, you're not unduly focusing upon the other things, the past and the, the future, because God is keeping you busy with the joy of your heart, the joy of the present, as you live embracing the present that God has before you, as you live in contentment and in gratitude before Him for all the simple things of, of life, as you live understanding there will be difficult days, the life is filled with labor and with toil as you live remembering that all that you're going through will soon be over, that it's fleeting, that it's passing, that it's temporary. You come to the place of receiving everything as a gracious gift of God. That, that is the secret to finding joy in life. That is the secret for mothers this morning to finding joy in motherhood. We will close with this. Who can find a virtuous wife? For her worth is far above rubies. The heart of her husband safely trusts her, so he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and willingly works with her hands. She is like the merchant ships. She brings her food from afar. She also rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and a portion for her maid. She considers a field and buys it from her profits. She plants a vineyard. She girds herself with strength and strengthens her arms. She perceives that her merchandise is good and her lamp does not go out by night. She stretches out her hands to the distaff and her hands hold the spindle. She extends her hand to the poor, yet she reaches out her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household is clothed with scarlet. She makes tapestry for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them and supplies sashes for the merchants. Strength and honor are her clothing. She shall rejoice in time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and on her tongue is the law of kindness. She watches over the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many daughters have done well, but you excel them all. 
Charm is deceitful and beauty is passing. But a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her the fruit of her hands and let her own works praise her in the gates. Heavenly Father, we come to You, Lord, and we do thank You for godly mothers. Lord, thank You for so many who have so sacrificially given of themselves for their children, for their families, for their husbands. Lord, though the world may not know them in the books of history, Lord, You know them well. Lord, You have been greatly glorified by their living. Lord, our lives even here this morning in the church house are radically altered because of them. So, Lord, we do thank You for their faithfulness. We thank You for their sacrifices. Lord, we uplift every mother in this room and pray that You would give to them what Ecclesiastes is commanding of us all. Lord, an embracing of the life You set before us and a contentment, a joy in it. Lord, keep us from selfish ambition. Keep us from covetousness and jealousy. Lord, give to us more of the trials and difficulties and the toils of life as it will all be over before we realize it. We must take advantage of every opportunity, every day seeing Your blessing, Your goodness, and the simplest things every day. Lord, taking advantage of everything You've given to us. Lord, work, I pray. Raise up godly mothers, godly women in this place. We ask it in Jesus' precious name.